I really need to participate in my healing. Yeah. If I don't participate, then I'm not gonna get better. I'm still gonna feel bitter. I'm still gonna be resentful. And that's a product of me numbing out. And it was such a good wake up call. And now that I have, I feel like I have such a better relationship with Christ than I did before. Thank you for listening to the Collective Church Podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us, which means if you've never been to church, walked away from the church, or are struggling to find a church to connect with, you belong here. Every Thursday, we are sharing a new episode in our Your Story Matters podcast series. This is an opportunity for people from Collective to be real about their brokenness and what God has done and is doing in their lives. These stories will be real and raw and vulnerable, and we hope they encourage and inspire you in your own faith to share your story. To watch the sermons from the Your Story Matters series or to find out more, you can head to www.mycollective.church YSM. We hope you enjoy these stories. Welcome to the Your Story Matters podcast, a podcast that is uh, about people from Collective Church who share their stories, their highs and their lows, the good and the bad. Um, really people sharing about their brokenness and what God has done and is doing in their lives. If you are listening for the first time today, we just want to encourage you, um, listen to this story, but once you're done listening to it, go back, go back to the beginning and and really hear from the start because the power of this podcast um, is in the individual stories that people are sharing, um, but even more so in the group of stories that that make up this church and this community and, and really bigger than that, um, the kingdom of God. And so um, I'm excited for you to join us today, uh, but I encourage you just go back and, and, and catch up on them. Uh, do it on your walk, do it while you're doing dishes, do it on your drive into work, and really hear what God has done in the lives of so many people at, at Collective. Um, today, I'm really excited uh, to be joined by Stephanie as she shares her story. Stephanie, thank you so much for being on the podcast. You're welcome. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Um, you know, one thing about Stephanie, uh, when we did the Your Story Matters series last fall, um, it was a big ask mm -hmm. to say, hey, will you sit down and share your story? And I know for you, you immediately said yes, mm -hmm. even though there's a big part of you that's like, this is kind of terrifying. It really is. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm really excited for you to share because I, I know um, I know you want to share, mm -hmm. but I also know it's a big step even to be here. And so thank you again for, for doing that. And so Stephanie, starting off, first question that everyone gets asked, the worst icebreaker question ever in the history of icebreakers, tell us about your childhood. So tell us, where did you grow up? Um, tell us a little bit about your family, kind of the dynamics of that, and then um, what was faith like in your childhood? If there was faith, what did that feel like and all that? So go ahead and let us know. Yes, yeah, so I grew up here in Frederick County, just over Braddock Mountain, Middletown. Um, grew up here my whole life. I have three younger siblings. I'm the oldest okay. of four. And growing up, loved it. I have such a great family. My parents are amazing. My siblings and I all were involved in sports. Mostly everybody that knew our family thought we were all going to be in tennis because okay. of my parents yeah. playing tennis through college. And would you have it? We all went soccer, basketball, and volleyball. <laughs> right we now. went the opposite way yeah. into more team sports, and which was fine because our parents were very much involved with our sports. I remember my dad coaching me yeah. 
and my siblings through all of it. And ve- he's very tough, but it's because he loves us. Yeah. And it, he would expect more from us because we are his kids yeah. on that team. And so, I mean, I grew up in my home church since I was four. My parents helped start that church here wow. in Frederick. And I remember going to very much like this church, um, growing up and going to South Frederick and going doing church there, then moving over to Ballinger Creek. And yep. wasn't until my junior year in high school that we actually get a physical building wow. called our own. And um, which was amazing. And I just remember growing up in church, going to church every Sunday with my family, going to lunch afterwards, what have you. And I think it was probably around seven or eight that I decided to get baptized. And the pastor baptized me, and that's all I remember. And just be like, yeah, of course, I know what it means and everything. Um, You know, just being able to kind of step out and very much involved in church, served in infants pre-K all the way up to fifth grade. And just very much of who I am personally. And then I'm also very introverted. So going into my junior year of high school, um, that summer I made the decision to be part of the church's first missions trip. Don't know why I did it, but it was a very big step and I'm glad I have. And since then I've been on seven missions trips and one going to Peru, my dad's like, hey, you wanna go? I was like, sure, why not? He's like, oh yeah, by the way, you're gonna be doing the children's ministry. And I'm like, I'm sorry, what? Wow. <laughs> I'm like, that was another big ask coming yeah. from me. And he's like, well, you're a teacher. I think you can do this. Yeah. So that was such a great learning experience for me. And um, doing like the devotionals for the elementary and the secondary, and then doing vacation Bible school after school. It was such a great experience for me to furthermore step out of my comfort yeah. zone. That's so, wonderful. Yeah, and I think yeah. mission trips, It's we're in this uh, time post-COVID where mission trips don't happen the way that they used to. And it's and I was just having a conversation the other day with somebody about like there's like a lot of lament in that because um, international travel is very different now. And, and there's also a sustainability thing where a lot of um, churches that were supported by it, like American churches during COVID, like they figured it out. And it, which is which is the dream. The dream is that you know you start these churches and you help these communities, but there's something sustainable. Um, but for those of you who've never been on a mission trip before, leaving this context in this culture and going to a completely different context and culture and sharing about Jesus is one of the kind of most terrifying, but also one of the most enlightening things you can do because you see what faith looks like outside of the American church or outside of, you know, the Frederick area. Um, but it's a lot and it's super scary. So let me ask you, so you grew up in the church, you had a lot of faith, you had a, you know, you had a relationship with Jesus through Mm -hmm. all of your memories. Um, what made you though, keep pushing, right? Because you, you, you talk about how you know, you get baptized, you start serving. A mission trip is like another one of those kind of bold steps or kind of going out on faith. Why, even as a student, were you taking those bold steps out on faith? You know, because a lot of, a lot of people, really, we do this with students a lot, where we're like, students just kind of show up until they become adults, and then adults start making decisions. Yeah. But students can make decisions, and that was one that you made. So talk to us a little bit about like, hey, what was faith like that helped you make the decision say, I'm, I'm going to keep pushing this relationship with Jesus? 
I don't exactly remember my decision behind it. I think there was an opportunity um, that the church was like, hey, like we have this opportunity to go to the Dominican Republic to help them build their second story of the church, um, be involved with the community. And I think that kind of intrigued me to, hey, you know, I want to do that. I want to be a part of this. And I think taking that step was really important for me because I am such an introverted person and like I have slowly gotten out of that introverted self to me being more outgoing but like I think that was such a big step for me personally and in my faith like yeah I'm gonna do this I don't know Spanish that well but I'm gonna go with these other high schoolers with some of the leaders from the church and just go and learn yeah and it was the best experience of my life. And I'm 100% glad I did it. Yeah, that's so. awesome. And so you did a lot of that stuff through high school. So Faith mm-hmm. for You started young, but it continued really strong throughout your yeah. teenage years? Mm-hmm. Okay. 100%. And like through growing up, my parents also put us in a private Christian school. And it's actually like probably 10 minutes from here. Yeah. And I just remember growing up there, my siblings and I all had the same third grade teacher because it's like one round per teacher or per grade, I should say. And that was such a great way for me to kind of develop my faith further because we had Bible classes. We went to chapel on Wednesdays and had worship there and had a little sermon and everything. And then I had the chance to help start the first girl soccer team at that school and my dad coach that as well as basketball and it was just I want to look I look back and I'm very grateful I went through that and that my parents gave us that structure that loving faith-filled life yeah and so for you did faith continue into your early college years like how did that set you up kind of in the next phase of life so after graduating I private Christian school that I went through pre-first to 12th. Wow. Um, I went to Liberty University for about um, a year and a half before transferring to Shepherd. Yep. And through that, that actually kind of built my faith a little bit deeper and got involved in Thomas Road Baptist Church, I believe, TRBC there, the preschool ministries. So even then, I was still looking, how can I be involved in the church and the community to help kind of build my faith and kind of expand and meet people. So that was really good for me. Did intramurals there, went to classes, did Old and New Testament classes, and I'm so glad I went there for that because it gave me more of a basis of understanding the Bible. And then that set me up to do well at Shepherd, and that was a 45-minute drive commute for me. So that was really nice because that was my first public school per se. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is so different. But at the same time, I'm glad I went because now I'm teaching in a public school. And that gave me a foundation of how to kind of relate to the kids that go to the public schools and everything. Yeah, that's awesome. Did you um, transfer out of Liberty in in Shepherd because you wanted to be closer to home? In a way, yes. But I also, like, in order to get into the education program at Liberty, I had to take a praxis test and I took it three times and was two to three points off each wow. time for Virginia standards. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, okay, well, I, don't, I know I wanna teach, so I'm gonna go to a college I know I can just get right in yep. and go, and because I didn't wanna just put off another semester of knowing what I wanted to do. Yeah. 
So that helped kind of make my decision. And in a way, like, I learned so much from both. Yeah. In both contexts. And yeah. I wouldn't change it. Yeah. And, so. and to the way the practice works is... It's, it's different per st- like per every mm-hmm. state and like yeah. if you weren't going to end up teaching in Virginia yeah it's great that you, you know you take the practice in Virginia mm-hmm. but that doesn't necessarily set you up to teach in Maryland and, and depending on the, yeah. the way that works that makes it's sense. kind of like um, the SATs like the first practice set is kind of like the SATs in yeah. a way and then when you go before student teaching you have to take another one and that's more content based yeah. knowledge yeah so okay which, yeah so you ended up going to Shepherd. good mm-hmm. experience did you come home on the weekends to do church down here, or did you find a community out there? So I lived at home and commuted. Wow. So, which was the best decision because I was like, why am I going to waste money for board? Yeah. Room and board. And so I ended up still being involved in my church here, going to church first service, serving second service. I think I did, like like I said, pre-K all the way up to fifth, so wherever I wanted to move. Like, like yeah, we could use you over here. Sure. Yeah, we could use you over here. I'm like... Cool, and I got to know the kids there, love the kids, still yeah. love the kids over there. And I'm still, like, now I'm involved here. Yeah. And I absolutely love the kids in the community here as well. Yeah. So. So for you, one of the things that people have shared on the podcast is how hard it was when they were in college to be connected to a faith community. And um, sometimes because they move and they're part of a really good church and then they head to this new city and they're like, man, I just can't find a church that I can connect with. Um, sometimes it's just that weirdness of, hey, I'm no longer a student here, and so that place is gone. And but I'm not like in my like adult years of like settling down. For you personally, in kind of those like late teen, early twenty years, you're serving. Um, but what was community like during that time? Did you feel like you had a strong community, or was that something that you wrestled with? Um. My whole life, I've kind of wrestled with having a good, solid community. Like, it's not that I don't. It's just I am very much have that social anxiety. And, connect, like, I want to connect with people, but yeah. I'm very much kind of hold back. But I did end up joining a Bible study. And unknown, unbeknownst, like, we were kind of like the young adult yeah. group. Yeah, and yeah. Unofficially, which yeah. ended up being really nice because after Bible study, we'd go and get dinner at Denny's or we'd go and do paintball or something like yeah. that. So I did have that small community and like we've all kind of spread out from that and everything, but it's just nice to see like no looking back, knowing I did have that community yeah. Yeah. growing up, going through college and everything. And then I was also able to help coach my little sister in middle school. Oh, cool for soccer and everything. So I had that community with the coaches there as well. So that kind of like blended a couple yeah, that's areas. Great. So you graduate Shepherd mm-hmm. and you come back home? I stayed home for about a year. Yeah. And then I made the decision to move down to Florida in June 2013 without a job and without a place to stay. Wow. And so I ended up getting rehired at Disney first and then got a long-term sub job at a charter school down in Florida that turned into a teaching job I want to say mid-second quarter okay and so that kind of like set me up and like hey I'm loving this and then my first niece was born in 2014 so I moved back up because I wanted to get to know my niece yeah and then I was like I come kind of bored I want to, I moved back down to Florida. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Round two living down in Florida and got a job down there. And 
then I was like, you know what? I don't like teaching down here. I'm going to move back up home. Ended up getting a job in Winchester, so I'm commuting an hour back and forth. Yep. And then it got to be a little too much for me, and I ended up leaving. And it's not that I didn't want to leave. It's was what was best for me. Yeah. And because at the time, I'm dealing with, I'm kind of shut down. I'm numb because of everything going through with my brother, being an addict and everything. He got back in the cycle. And... I was just like, I can't do this. I'm I'm worried about my brother. I'm worried about my nieces. I ended up helping my parents and my brother help raise them for yeah. a good several years. And I love those girls. Yeah. And it wasn't until a couple years ago, like I want to say February 2021, that I was like, I can't live like this anymore. Yeah. And I was like, I got to work on myself. And I have been in, an, in and out of therapy for years. And it's like, right, and it wasn't until this point that I was like, I can't live in this numb state. Like, I was like, I'm protecting myself, but I was more worried about protecting my nieces and sure. even my little sister when she was growing up. And I was just like, I can't live like this. I'm getting bitter. I'm getting resentful yeah. about everything. And I was like, I want to start therapy again, and I'm going to be completely honest. And because I did that, I started healing. I started forgiving. I started seeing change and growth in myself. Yeah, And... I ended up reading, was it Forgiving What You Can't Forget mm. from Lisa Turkhurst. And yeah. I took so much from that yeah. book. I went through it a second time. And that helped me like just forgive people that have hurt me and even myself yeah. for things that I put through. And like looking back, I'm like, I mean, I was really in survival mode. Sure. And sure. I cannot be in survival mode if I want to be the best I can for people around me. Yeah. You're impacted by addiction, but it's like a sibling. What was that like? How did that impact kind of the, you reference it, the moving back and forth. You try to get away, mm -hmm. but then you're like, man, I feel this burden to care for my family. And then you're like, oh crap, I'm burnt out. I need to get away. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I, I feel this burden of caring for my family. And you kind of did that for a while. Can you talk to us about what was that like? And then specifically during that time mm -hmm. when you're caring for your siblings' kids who aren't yours, but you love them. Like, mm -hmm. talk to us about kind of the peaks and valleys of that. And then also like what faith felt like during that, because there's a lot of stuff that you went through that isn't at the hands of your own fault, right? Like it's not your own sin. It's not your own decision-making, but like the impact of that had a major impact on who you are yeah. and um, kind of some of the anxiety and fears and frustrations yeah. that you feel. So, and I do deal with mild anxiety and I take medication to help that. Yeah. But I really didn't find out till I was 20 when I transferred to Shepherd. And at that time, um, I was like, okay, like, what does this mean? Like, I didn't realize like what a big impact it was. And then going in, I think to my second semester at Shepherd, I was playing, I did soccer there for a year, played on their team, wow. ended up leaving just because my body wasn't holding up and that was kind of a way for me to escape everything and it's not that I was getting into drugs or alcoholism for myself it was more of a productive yeah. way to escape things yeah. but I was also kind of working at the same time and going to school and I'm like okay how can I help my family and my little sister who's nine and a half years younger than me how wow. can I help her get through this and kind of be involved with that and part of that is 
me coaching for six years at New Life when she was from fifth to eighth. And I absolutely loved doing that with her. That was a way I could bond with her as well. And that was a way for me to kind of, again, numb out, kind of not think about anything and not feel anything. And so when I graduated, that's why part of the reason I decided to move down to Florida, I kind of felt like it was time to kind of for me to go out on my own, but kind of like escape Mm -hmm. the situation. So that was... I was down there for two years. I think I would have stayed down there if my second niece didn't come along. And yeah. I was like, and my at the time, my brother was three years clean yeah. when my second niece came around. I'm super proud of him. And then he got sucked right back into yeah. it. And I was like, I'm moving up because I want to get to know my nieces. Like, I want my nieces to know me as an aunt. And so very much involved. I remember moving back, getting a job, pre-K job. They ended up having to let me go because I had such small numbers and they already had a pre-K teacher. And I was like, completely understand. It's a small Christian private school. Like, I'm not mad. Ended up subbing a lot in Washington County. And um, I ended up doing that and then moving back down to Florida, kind of escaped the whole situation again. Then decided to move back up because I was like, I want to be around family got a job in winchester driving back and forth from frederick around february 2019 i just i couldn't do the back and forth and then dealing with family and just being worried about my nieces worried about my brother like is he gonna od and just not wake up like how am i going to explain this to my nieces that are three and four yeah. like and I know that's not my job but I'm just like yeah. how am, how is this going to happen and I just remember I think it was January it just it got to a point where I was just all the emotions were coming up that I had shoved mm-hmm. down and I just remember like I was like yeah mom I have a comp- parent conference it's at five I'll be home afterwards and just before she's like your dad's bringing your brother to the hospital I have the nieces and like I tell one of the aides that's sitting in with me, she goes, do you want to cancel this? And I was like, no, I want to get this because I'm already anxious about the parent conference. Yeah. So I want to get this conference out of the way. But in the back of my mind, I'm worried about my brother. And how's my brother doing? How are my nieces doing? I need to get back home to help my mom with my nieces. Yeah. And during this whole time, I'm also you know, taking my nieces to the library, building that bond with them, um, doing crafts with them. I remember like a couple months ago, I was like, the girls were like, can you do a craft with us, Steffi? And I'm like, well, can't you do that with mommy or dad, mom and dad? And they're like, you're the craft lady. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. (laughs) But like, um, during that whole time, it was just like, it got to the point where the emotions came up Mm -hmm. and I had to leave that job. And I was like, it's not that I wanted to, I had to take care of myself so yeah. I could put my student myself first so that way I could be better for the students. Yeah. And at that time I ended up leaving February 2019, took a special ed a job in Washington County, ended up being the best year for me to kind of quote unquote take care of myself, take sure. a step back. Yep. Ended up taking a temp kindergarten job in Washington County and now I'm going into my fourth year. Wow. And so like I said two years ago, it just got to the point where like I didn't take my medicine for a couple of days because I had run out. I forgot to refill. And I was like, oh, hmm. That was like a quick reality check. Feel it, yeah. I could feel it. I was like, no, I need to check in on myself. I need to go back to therapy. Yeah. And I need to start healing. Yeah. And because I started that process, I am so much more confident in myself and the help I have from 
the church, the my therapist, my family, like so much more confident in what I'm doing and who I am as a person. Yeah. So when you hit that kind of low point in 2019, mm-hmm. you know, cause it's a lot of it is like, and you said it, and I'm so thankful that you, you brought this up. It's like this idea of numbing yourself through busyness, mm-hmm. um, numbing yourself through purpose, right? We, we all have a tendency when we're going through heavy seasons, kind of, you know, the, the phrase in yeah. addiction can be is white knuckling, right? You try to hold on as tight as you can. And for you, that was a lot of things that actually had good fruit, right? Mm-hmm. Caring for students, caring for your, you know, your siblings, kids and being there for your family, coaching, yeah, all things that like, if you write down on paper, I'm coaching, I'm teaching, you know, all things where people will be like, wow, that's, that's great. But you knew that it was so that you didn't have to be in your head. Um, so while you were doing that, what was faith like? Were you still heavily involved in church? Was that another thing that you used to kind of compartmentalize and numb and stay away? Was your relationship with Jesus one where it was, I'm relying on him for everything? Um was it transactional? Because sometimes we do, and like faith is so important, but sometimes we do turn being involved in church into one of those things that we like slide into this box that the relationship with Jesus isn't there, but the activity and the action and the showing up and, you know, you worship and all that. So what was that like in that kind of that 2019 era? I think at that point it was very much a checkbox. It was, I wasn't necessarily going to service. I was like, okay, I'm going to show up and help out in the second, third grade room because I'm teaching fifth different age group. It was, okay, check, did it. And then, like I said, it wasn't until I hit that breaking point again in 2021 that I was like, oh, no, like, I really need to participate in my healing. I can't expect God to do it all himself. If I I don't participate, then I'm not going to get better. I'm still going to feel bitter. I'm still going to be resentful. And that's a product of me numbing out. And it was such a good wake-up call. And now that... I have, I feel like I have such a better relationship with Christ yeah. than I did before. Yep. Now it's like, oh, how can I get what I learned in church? How can I apply that to my week? And then how can I apply that to my daily life monthly, yearly? It's, so It's interesting because um, one of the reasons, and we have this culture at Collective where if someone is serving the expectation, you know, if you're on the team at Collective, the expectation is you also attend. Because we have seen where people will gladly serve every single Sunday. And it's because they want to help. It, it's mm-hmm. not for any other. It's not for themselves. It, it is literally yeah. for other people. But there's something about removing yourself from worship and removing yourself from the teaching that has shown us that people who are like, I only want to serve every single Sunday. I don't, I don't need to be in service. What they're really saying is I don't need to be pushed on. And I don't need my heart to feel that way. And so, you know, a lot of times we can take Christianity and turn it into this outward facing thing only where it's like, I'm going to create space for other people, but I'm not going to work on the things that I need to work on. And what's, what's interesting is, so at Collective, we don't let people just serve. And so if you, you show up on yeah. Sunday and you're like, oh, I'm not serving today, but I'm just going to hide back here. We're like, absolutely not. Because we know that that's kind of a way that we cope. You know, it's one of the, the reasons why we push really hard and we're really working hard to help people get to a place where you serve one service and you attend one service on Sundays because you need both. Mm-hmm. And it's very possible to just attend 
and take everything in and not give it back out. It's very possible to give it back out, but not ever take anything in. And the balance specifically in scripture is like, hey, there's a both and here. And so, you know, we talk a lot on this podcast about ways that we cope. And a lot of times people cope by leaving the church. They cope by stepping out. But you can do the opposite, which is you can lean in so far to serving that you do not allow the Holy Spirit to really push on your soul through teaching, through worship, through prayer, through reading your Bible. Um, And so there's this balance, you know, and for you, your pendulum was, I'm just going to keep serving. Um, So COVID hits. Um, what was that like? Cause like, you know, you mentioned anxiety, you mentioned addiction in your family, you're a teacher. Um, was that part of the kind of bottoming out before 2021? In a way. Yeah. Because I remember like my mom and I would go like hiking and we could go on walks, which really helped me with my anxiety and kind of keeping me active. And I, I'm very glad. And that was also the time when COVID hit. It was like our school went on spring break for a week and then it extended into quote unquote two weeks. And then I remember having a day just being on Zoom and it was like, okay, this is what we're doing for to help the kids. This is, and it wasn't exactly set up like it was in 2020, 2021 school year where you're being in class on the computer all day. It was okay. We're having a scheduled time with our kids. And I just remember sitting with my team and we got off and I'm just, I'm so mentally exhausted. During that time, I would still meet with my kids. We had, would have like, do like a virtual tour of the Smithsonian, like still see them. And then I was working with a couple kids one-on-one and then they were moving into first grade the following year. And that's when I got fully hired to teach third grade for that. Cause after that temp job, I was like, I don't know what I'm gonna do cause I don't have a job after this. So even during that whole COVID season, it was really hard for me to kind of pay attention to the sermons online yeah. as well. And it's not that I didn't want to, it was just like, I think I want to fall asleep right yeah. now because I'm not actively participating yeah. in the church body, just being physically there. Yep. So that was very difficult for me. And like once the church opened again, I was able to go back in and felt more community yeah. that way. Yeah, And I think we lost kind of that during yeah. that time. Yeah. How do you be a hard season for you? Cause like you're teaching kind of all the things that have been a part of your life that COVID year just kind of pressed. Mm-hmm. And for you that led to what you mentioned early 2021, which was kind of like the, the breakdown. Yeah. And so talk to us a little bit about like things open back up, you get a job, you know, good things are happening. Yeah. But that didn't take away kind of all the weight that you'd been carrying for, almost 10 years at that point. And so talk to us about 2021. Yeah, so I'm kind of like one of those people that carries that burden that no one asked me to carry, but that's just who I am. Like I do for family, I do for friends and family. And it got to the point where it ended up being too much for me. Like I carried it for so long and it was just like that not refilling my medication. And I know medication works for me, not for everybody. And it was just like, oh my goodness, like I, I really need to start really taking better care of my mental health and start working towards healing. And at this point, I didn't realize, but my brother had decided to become clean in December, 2020. Okay. And I didn't realize it till 2022, December. 
that it was like, oh, my brother's two years clean. And I'm like so sure. proud of him. Sure. Like he's so much more involved with my nieces and everything. Yeah. And now I have like, but leading up to that breakdown, it was just like, it just hit me. It was like right after I went on vacation with my nieces, my sister and my dad. And it was just like, I need to do this. And I started doing that. I started becoming more involved in my mental health. I started healing. I started really taking my faith seriously and attending church, taking more notes and stuff like that. And be like, how can I do this? How can I do that? And looking for more resources. And because I was able to do that, I was able to kind of open myself more to allowing more people in to build a community. And through that, I was able to learn who was for me, who wasn't, who I needed to cut out, who I needed to keep. And I just, I, through that first year, I learned so much about myself and looking back, I'm like, I kind of wish I didn't go through it. But at the same time, I'm like, but if I did not I wouldn't be the confident person I am now. Yeah. So, and, and I know part of it was you started coming to collective and um, I think you came Christmas Eve. I came Christmas Eve, and then I kind of tried to come first service, go and serve second service at my other church. Yeah. And then it got to the point where I fully started attending July last year. Yeah, yeah. And it was hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing I noticed is, is we would talk almost every Sunday where mm-hmm. you were clearly battling you were doing the work and when you, when you do the work spiritually, mentally, emotionally, it means you got to let go of some things. You got to clear out some things. And that was hard for you. I know part of the reason why you love collective is because we talked about a lot Mm -hmm. of the things that you were wrestling with and it, and you felt like empowered to talk about your mental health here and you talk about taking medicine, right? Cause a lot of times in church people are like pray and you're like, yeah, totally. Prayer's great. But also sometimes you need medicine. And sometimes you need medicine so you can pray. Yeah. Because your brain won't let you focus or or kind of not focus even on the things that you need to kind of um, eliminate or, or have a part of your life. But that season of work for you on your mental health, on your spiritual health, um, it led you to a new community, which is terrifying. Yeah. You know, because like you knew of Collective mm-hmm. and you knew people that were here, but it was it was different. And it's vulnerable. And I feel like every Sunday you showed up at Collective, it was you choosing vulnerability, but choosing, okay, God, like, I'm so uncomfortable right now, mm-hmm. but I want you to make me uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And for you, it was months of you just kind of sitting in that discomfort so that you could heal and so that you could become well, so that you could let go of a lot of those things that you'd been carrying for a really long time. Um, so talk to us a little bit about like, so what was faith like that, like during that season, specifically mm-hmm. in the season where you're coming here, but then going to another church to serve. Yeah. Cause that's, there was kind of, and I remember, uh, we talked about this in the lobby one Sunday and you're like, I just feel like it's two different lives mm-hmm. and you've got the life that you're working on and the life that you've been in and you were figuring out, do these things match up? What pieces stay, what pieces go? But what was your relationship with Jesus like during kind of the heaviest season of you, like digging those ditches to to heal as a person and to heal um, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, all that. Right now, at my point, this point in my life, I need to be here because yeah. I'm being challenged and that's what I need right now in my life and in my faith. And because I've been here, I've grown in my faith. I feel like I've 
learned how to kind of step up and speak for myself. I become more confident. Yep. And it's because the people I met here, the people I've met during that kind of growing year and that uh, yeah. kind of like growing pains. Yeah. And I wouldn't change that year f- for anything because I wouldn't be the person I am today. Like I've, because of the people I've encountered, I've learned how to stand up for myself. Yeah. I've, like I said, I've learned who's good. I've learned who's bad for me. Like yeah. it's been hard. Yeah but it's been worth it. Yeah. And, and that's one of the things that I admire the most about your story is that, you know, you've been through a lot in your life and it's, it's been life and life is hard yeah. and you know that. And, but the work that you've done over the past year has really been harder than some of what you've just experienced growing up because what you experienced growing up, it was like, this is what's happening to me. And this is, this is my family and this is what's going on versus, Oh crap. I, I've got to dig in. You know, I remember last fall we did a sermon. We talked about like kind of these circles and, and you have these like mm-hmm. different groups of people in your life. And um, actually this will come out during a series where we're going to dig deeper into those relationships. And for you, you know, you sat in a sermon and you thought, oh, crap, mm-hmm. I've put people in the wrong places. And you would allow people to be to be speaking into your life that you're like, no, these are not people who have a seat at that table. But you, you'd put them there. And that's a hard thing. You know, for you right now, like so much of your faith is it's it's active and it's you allowing God to kind of do um, the, the terminology in the church is like sanctification. Right. Like we will never be imperfect or yeah, we'll never be perfect. We'll always have our imperfections. Um, but there's this process of growing in our faith where we, you know, it's the sanctification of our soul. And it's just growing more like Christ. And sometimes it's painful Oh, hundred percent. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's hard and mm-hmm. it, it takes discipline. Um, but that's really been the last few years mm-hmm. of your life. So what does your relationship with Jesus feel like right now? Uh, I feel more comfortable with it. And like looking back, like you said, it's just like, it's kind of like a snake shedding its skin. Yeah. It's been hard, but it's been worth it. And now I can see like, oh, these people came in my life to teach me this. And now I've kind of outgrown some people and now I'm meeting new people that are challenging me. And some of them have been here and I'm like so grateful that they're here. Like even like our good family friends, like she's like my second mom and she's like, Stephanie, this is really great that you're sharing your story. Like you need to, like you didn't share it the first time when um, Conrad kind of did the heroin's grip when he asked you but now you're sharing it this is a great step for you like she really encouraged me to kind of do this and kind of heal even more and it's just it's been great yeah yeah and I think um it's great because so much of your life has been you know kind of serving and caring for other people but sometimes we forget that even the people that are serving and caring for us are going through stuff you know, you've served through some of the hardest seasons of your life, some of the most painful seasons of your life, some of the seasons of your life where there's just so many things going on and you're trying to keep them all afloat and you're doing it, but at the cost of your own health. Yeah. Of yeah. my own self. And it just yeah. kind of reminds me of um, the ra- last Rocky Balboa movie where at the end he's like, life is not always full of rainbows and butterflies. Yeah. It's nasty and it's mean and it'll knock you to your knees. Yeah. But you have a choice. You can either let it keep you there or you can stand up and fight back. Yep. 
and I'm like, I've let it keep me on my knees for so long. And now I'm like, no, that's not what I want that. I don't want to be in the same place. I want to grow. Yeah. So the Bible talks a lot about worry. It talks a lot about anxiety for you personally. What made you get to a place where you're like, no, I, I can love Jesus and go to a therapist and I can love Jesus and I can take medicine because there's a lot of Christians and a lot of churches that would say those two things don't exist. Now we disagree. We, we know those two yeah. things, they have to exist. Mm-hmm. But for you personally, um, can you just share a little bit about that? Because I think there's some people on the pod or listening to the podcast that, that would love to hear what you have to say about that. Yeah. Like I don't remember really like being like, oh, I have anxiety you know, I just remember my mom going, hey, like, I think you should go to this therapist that I'm seeing. I think it would be really, really wow, good for that's you. Great. And so I was like, okay, cool. Like, I'll go. And she was really the example for me to wow. kind of, you can go take care of your mental health. Like, we're going through a lot with our family. And I will say, like, I love my parents. They are stronger than ever. I don't know how they're still together, but the fact that they are. Yeah is amazing and so she's the one that kind of got me started in therapy and that's how I kind of found out you know I'm dealing with anxiety and then um, I don't remember how I got started on medicine I think I might have gone and seen the psychiatrist my brother was seen and she's like I think this might help you with like you know you're thinking about you're worried about this you're worried about that you're worried about Mm -hmm. this think we should start you I think I'm on fluoxetine now but I think I was on lorazepam to okay. start. And I've kind of switched up medications because I know my bodies get used to the medications. Yep. And I still do check-ins with my doctor. Like, how is the medication working for you? Do we need to up it or is it okay? And so because my mom kind of set that a great example for me is how I got started in going to therapy. And I wasn't open the first couple sessions. Like sure. the therapist yeah, was like, yeah. <laughs> oh, do you have anybody that has drug addiction? I'm like, yeah, my uncle. But like, I didn't want to talk about my brother sure. at the time. Sure. But it eventually came to like, okay, kind of took a bit from the therapist, went back to the therapist, like on and off. But it was such a great way for me to kind of verbally process yep what I was thinking, what I was worried about, and then finding strategies to kind of positive strategies to help me cope with what was going through. And that I was able to kind of couple it with what the Bible was saying. And it took me years to kind of like, kind of put those two together. But because I was able to do that and kind of like put the two together, I feel more confident in myself. I still deal with anxiety and I'm like, oh my gosh, what is this person thinking about me? And is that's very much like that people pleasing in me. But honestly, like it's the best thing for me that I ended up going to therapy. I ended up, you know, talking to a couple of friends like, hey, I am seeing a therapist for my anxiety. Can you help? You just pray like, and I've gotten better. Like the therapist I was seeing, she's like, hey, just contact me when you need to come. And like, I haven't gone in a year. But like, I know I'm going to end up doing a mental health check-in on myself soon because it's a good, healthy way to check in, not just mentally, but like physically and emotionally. How are you doing? How are you coping with life stresses and everything? And the medicine's been helping me um, deal with like, kind of like, not necessarily shutting off a part of my brain, but helping me like think through, do I really need to worry about this tiny little detail that no one else cares about? So it's been very helpful yeah. in and, that respect. And that has led to a better relationship with Jesus. Yes, 100%. Yep. Because now I'm able to see, oh, like, I think you were taught seeing 
in a sermon or I heard it somewhere. It was just like, you're going through a passage. You're like, okay, cool, whatever. And then you hear it in a sermon and it's kind of like applying it in different contexts. Yep. You're like, crap. Yep. Like, oh, that's, that's what it means. And yep. it's just like, and it hits you in a different way. Yep. And it just was like, okay, how can I do this better? It's like even the Proverbs series, it was just like, okay, how can I use what we've learned there in my daily life to be an example for others, but also being a good example for myself? Yeah. Yeah. And that's wonderful because, you know, we don't, we talk a lot about mental health, that collective emotional health, spiritual health. You know, we understand that you can have great spiritual health, but if your mental health is bad, Mm -hmm. it kind of anchors it down. You can have great mental health, but if you don't have spiritual health, it anchors it down. These things are connected and um, they take work. Another thing that's really cool about your story, and I'm, I'm thankful that you shared it, and, and you've said it a few times, is, is your parents led the way on a lot of this. They led the way when it came to faith, led the way when it came to mental health. But I do want to point out that you can have really great parents and still go through hard things and still have to work through anxiety and pain and frustration and pressure and baggage and like whatever it may be. Oftentimes I think we assume we get all these things when we have parents who are drug addicted or divorced and there's affairs or when you grow up without a parent and we think, Oh, bad parents lead to hard lives. And that is true. Mm -hmm. Good parents also lead to hard life. Life is hard. Yeah. You know, and for you personally, you had parents who did lead the way on a lot of those things, but that didn't mean there wasn't work. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, which is really wonderful and really enlightening. And I think something that, I find a lot with people who have really great parents um, who struggle with things like anxiety or depression or anger, whatever it may be, they have sometimes a tension working through them because they're like, but my parents are so great. And it's like, yeah, life is hard. Mm -hmm. And that's why you have to work on these things. Yeah. And like, I even remember like even everything that was happening with my sibling, my parents were like, we are still going to do everything we can to help him. And just seeing that example from them I know I'll do that with my own kids as well. So let me ask you, um, and this is one of my favorite questions on the podcast because um, wisdom is so important. You mentioned Proverbs earlier, right? And um, this whole book in the Bible, that's just pure wisdom. And from very wise people, from people who uh, they received wisdom from God, but they also had wisdom from their own life experiences. And so on the podcast, we always ask, hey, what's some advice? What's some wisdom you can give? Because there are people listening who are in similar places that you've been in or are in those places now. And so if you could give some advice and some wisdom to everybody listening today, what would that be? Um, I definitely think of Esther 416, perhaps you were made for a time such as this. And like, I've definitely thought about that, like even going back over like what I've been through. And I'm like, no, like I was put here for a reason. And that's part of why I'm sharing my story is because someone may be experiencing something very similar and I want them to be able to learn what I've been through. So I would just say, keep pushing and you're there for a reason. God's put there with you, even though he doesn't feel like it, because I definitely didn't feel like it when I was going through it, but he's still there because he was able to use and redeem everything that I've been through, even with my family. So, Well, and like how many students and friends and people have has your story been able to positively help because of what you've been through and even knowing like just sharing your story today there are people listening who need to hear this and need to know they're not alone 
and need to know, they know exactly what it feels like to, to try to do so many things to kind of yeah. like stay away from the hardships of their life or to numb from it, which is just, it's the story of Esther is incredible. Um, okay. So, so last question then, if you had a verse or you can have a few verses that were kind of like your go-to, yeah. um, what would those verses be? And these are the ones that, you know, these, there's a certain scriptures in the Bible, depending on who you are, cause they're not the same for everybody that just kind of sit in that place on the hard days and the good days, um, they're the ones that your brain, you know, and your heart yeah. like tell you, even though you're not even seeking them out like internally. Yeah. Um, what would those verses be? I know for me, I've always struggled with like, am I worth it or whatnot? So I've always gone to like Psalms, and it's, I know I can't exactly remember the references, but I know one is like, be still and know that mm-hmm. I am God. And yeah. there's times where I've literally had to sit and I'm listening to my Bible. And I'm like, okay, what are you trying to teach me? And I'm trying to like kind of go from there. And the other one, because I've struggled with self-worth for so long. And one is like he, I think it's like he created me and he knew me from my mother's womb. And I'm like, I have, now that I feel more confident in myself, like I don't struggle as much, but those are like the verses that come to mind. Like when I am struggling, I'm like, nope, whose are you? Yeah. Like I have to, like, no. Hand it to God. Like, yep. give that to God, those thoughts to God. Yeah. Because you are worth so much more. So. Yeah, that's wonderful. Stephanie, I'm so thankful that you decided to sit down and, and share part of your story today on, on the podcast because I know, you know, you signed up in the fall. It's July at this point. <laughs> There's a lot yeah. of time where you've kind of sat in that place where anxiety could have gotten the best of you, self doubt could have gotten the best of you, insecurity could have gotten the best of you. But because of the work that you're doing in and through Jesus, you're able to sit down today and say, okay, like I'm, I'm ready to share. And I'm just, I'm thankful that you did. I'm thankful that you're at Collective. Um, I'm very thankful that you came here and immediately started talking about like, hey, he, he, here's what I'm going through. You know, hey, here's what I'm struggling with. And here's what I'm, I'm fighting through because um, this church is full of people who feel that way. And now they know um, that they're not alone. And they get to see that. And so, Stephanie, thank you so much for sharing today on the podcast and um, letting people hear your story. Thank you for having me. (laughs) 